0: Welcome to episode six hundred and forty seven of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode. What's the six hundred and forty seven of I am talk with Coach John Newsman, Bevan James? Oh how are you going, mate? I'm very good, Bevan.
1: Happy New Year to you.
0: No, it's is New Year's Eve, isn't it? Or is it New Year's? I think it's New Year's Day. Well, me a look I'm pretty the, sure it's New Year's uh, Day. Let me have a look at the calendar. <laughs> yeah. New Year's Oh, mate. How was your last night? It was oh, epic. I've got a headache to kill for it. Yeah, it was oh, I have had to sleep. Actually, have we done have we done this week show's proudly brought to you by? No. Okay, this show show's proudly brought to you by? Extreme endurance. You like to buffer and name
1: some patrons? Some patrons. We have Mark Hot Rod Dixon. We have. That was a good one, wasn't it? Because we went with uh, Rod Dixon. We did. Yeah. Uh, we had. Co- uh, Colin, the convict, Belusky. Oh, he's a, he's, a, he's a seasoned campaigner. And Jeremy's special agent, Ryan. He came over to Rote uh, with us the year before last. Yeah, good old Jeremy Sporky. It was actually two years ago now, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, oh, yeah, because that was back in 2017, John. Yes. We're now in 2019. Yeah. So, funny story. You and I, have, we've actually flown into Christchurch back to the studios today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just to record this. But we haven't had any sleep either because we partied all night. But... Young old Sam Wills, I think he's a patron on the show. What's Sam's nickname? Uh, I haven't...
1: Oh, goodness. That's, that's a... I'll have to find that. Ben, he was helping out at the race at, uh, last... Uh, well, funny you say that. Yes. Did he tell you about his night before? No.
0: Sam Wills. Wild one. The, well, that's appropriate to what uh, we're talking about right here. Yeah. Because I saw Sam Wills the next day. He came to my class at the gym at, on the Monday, and he told me on Saturday night, I got one hour's sleep. Yeah, because he was there at uh, six o'clock. I know he basically went straight from town to your place. Really? Yeah, and he marshaled for you.
1: He did. He was. He was, uh, and he did the set up. He was a great set up person. Well, oh, he? he fooled you, didn't he? He fought you, didn't he? He did. Old well. Sam, the Wild wall One Walls. Yeah, he knew, he knew
0: how to deliver. I'm sure he's probably feeling the same way because it's New Year's Day today. Yeah. So, all right, this week's show, guys, what's going to be happening is we have Sarah. True, is yeah. it true?
1: We have Sarah. It is true. <laughs> it is true indeed. So she finished fourth in Kona last, last year. Yeah, in 2018. 2018. Uh, finished at a fantastic debut at Ironman Frankfurt earlier in the year. Uh, finished fourth at the Olympics. Uh, wasn't it the Rio? I think it was the London, I think she was fourth at. And uh, just a nice bubbly character. Haven't done the interview yet. Well, I have. Did <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, actually. <laughs> Did last year. But, then, yeah. <laughs> but today's the 18th of December, um, and I'm doing it later on today.
0: Okay, there we go. So, uh, and, and, then,
1: and then we're going back to our
0: old episodes, and we're going back to 19, 2000, sorry, 2007. And in 2006, we saw, was it 2007 we saw her come along? She won, won a race, she won like Malaysia or something, wasn't that it? That was the same year that she won. Okay, so in 2007, this young upstart turned up to a race and won a race, and we slightly mentioned her. She won a race in, like, Asia and, like... It was career, yeah. It was career, was it? And career yeah. and was a nothing race, so, like, winning career on your first race is a
1: cool thing, but not really thought much of it. And then she went on to Kona and won the bloody race. But we were lucky enough to interview her in 2007 before she had become the absolute mega legend that she did Uh, so we interviewed her after she'd won in 2007 so I just thought it'd be really interesting to see how she talks then as opposed to how a lot of you would have seen her talking in the latter part of her career and whether much has changed
0: yeah so so again we haven't listened to it yet but you guys are going to get a chance to listen to it on the show so um, we're going to get into it right now here is Sarah it's true Sarah true (laughs)
1: Okay guys, um very happy to have on the show Sarah True. you guys um, a lot of you iron junkies will have seen her exploits this year at uh, over iron distance. Um, the year before she was doing her still doing long course but at the 70.3 distance um, but prior to that she was an absolute legend over the uh, ITU distance which a lot of you guys might have seen including a fourth place at the Olympics. So welcome along to the show Sarah.
2: Thank you very much. I'm uh, happy to be here. You know, you you phrase it that way, and it sounds like every year I'm just doubling in distance. So uh, I guess 2019 is the year of the Ultraman. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Don't start on Ultraman. Bloody (laughs) hell. I get it. And then,
2: totally
1: kidding and then then you'll then you'll be going de- the decker man after that <laughs> oh
2: well that's just crazy yeah. hey,
1: so um, one I'm not a big social media junkie but I, I know that you post a fair amount on the on, on your Twitter page it says just a small town girl running swimming and biking around the foreign cities in my bathing suit so maybe just tell us um, where, where you' are from and a little bit about your uh, about your hometown
2: yeah so I I grew up um, let's see, upstate New York, so in the northeastern part of the U.S., and the, the town I grew up in was about 2,000 people. Um, it's it's known for being the home of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I grew up playing all sorts of sports. You know, that's, that's the good thing about being a small-town kid is, you know, I'd just be outside playing all day, wandering around, you know, wreaking havoc on the neighbors, and my parents just didn't worry. So, definitely some good things about being a small town kid um and now we still live in a it's a slightly bigger town uh it's a university town but uh we live in new hampshire so we not in you know boulder or california or you know florida some of the the hotbeds for triathlon in the u.s um you know we we live in new hampshire where it gets cold and we have real winter so mm. uh but still, small town.
1: Do you, do you, Keep it simple. Do you, do you get away over winter then to do training camps and what have you, or you just uh, suck it up and and train indoors?
2: So uh, we will go away in January, February. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can do a pretty good job through December, but as as the training sessions get a bit more race specific, um, I think the hardest part is, and I'm sure some of the listeners have the same problem, is just the darkness mm-hmm. um so you know it gets dark at 4 p.m mm-hmm. and you know the optimal temperature to be outside you know that's what noon until probably 2 p.m 3 p.m uh so it's a very compressed window where you actually want to be outside yeah. and then just gets dark uh so yeah we we head off um and also so my my husband's a professional runner, mm-hmm. um, and he he can do some of his base training indoors. Um, we do have an indoor track, but it's not banked, yeah. and he, he is totally opposed to doing anything on the treadmill. Yeah. So it's it's partially for me as as I'm putting in more hours. Uh, you know, being someplace where I can ride outside definitely helps. But it's also for him, just um, trying to do you know really high quality run training in the snow and ice is just
1: it's miserable yeah. so it's been a um you know for, for most listeners i'll look at your your results this year and go it was it was looked really really good season you know you had uh, um for a second place in frankfurt and um it made your debut in kona and you're certainly in the mix um over there How, what's your sort of analysis of your season in terms of maybe your your high points and your your low points
2: yeah for sure um you know, it was a really special year. Uh, I, I think, I think coming from short course, I had no idea whether or not I'd have any sort of aptitude for the distance. You know, there's just so much to learn and you really have to, you know, the, the metabolic adaptations you have to make once you go longer. Um, you know, it's, it's more than the fact that it's, uh, much further. It's just, it's almost a different sport. Mm. So, I didn't know if I would be able to do it well. So I think just this year was it was such an adventure. Um, you know, I, I decided last October that I really wanted to do an Ironman in 2018. And I wanted to qualify for Kona and I did both those things. And the fact that I turned out to be pretty good at it mm-hmm. is just, it's icing on the cake. You know, like I, it's, it's helped me rediscover my love for the sport Um yeah, so it's just, it feels like any any great result is a bonus. The fact that I was able to do an Man, the fact that I've been learning a whole ton, the, that I'm interacting with my community in a different way, I I love it. Like, this has been probably one of my favorite um, years out of my career. Excellent.
1: So, I mean, yeah. you, you, you said you, you didn't really know what you were getting into, but, you know... Um was 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 a lot of it as you you know you must have had some expectations about what what it was like did you get many really big surprises or was it kind of you know this is going to be long you know you've got any your nutrition you're not quite sure how you're going to go but by and large was it as expected or was it harder easier what what were your sort of thoughts as you went through especially your, your two iron distance races
2: uh you know the good thing is i definitely did my research beforehand so i went into it uh I wouldn't say that I was nervous. I had a healthy respect for the distance, and you know, I I went into both of the my Ironman races this year very prepared. Um, mm. You know, we we didn't feel like I was uh, strong enough to really have amazing performances, but we knew that I was strong enough to have a good performance mm. at, as if I if I got everything right. And, you know, I did everything right in the races. Uh, uh, Kona, okay, I went out a little aggressively on the run and blew up, and it probably cost me a podium. But the fact that, you know, I still got fourth at Kona at my first try in the heat, and I'm not, you know, normally a heat person. Um, yeah, all in all, it was it, – if you if you are a student in the sport, if you're patient um, – I just I learned so much and I was able to apply it in the races. So yeah, I'm pretty pretty happy about that.
1: And um, have you been? Have you had sort of coaches or advisors sort of through this period? Because I know in ITU side of things, you know, you may have been part of groups and it's quite structured and coach orientated. What's it, What's it been like um, this year? Have you sort of been you know, to feeling to, to your way through your,
2: it? Right. To To answer your previous question, in part because I got distracted because <laughs> I just got. Yeah. Well, honestly, I started thinking about Conan, what I would have done differently. And I started mentally going down this uh, path that probably I lost some listeners. Um, So one of the biggest surprises for me, one of the things that went easier than I expected was I was really intimidated because I knew that, um, you know, I have come from my two, which is very squad based training. And I have I this past year, I have trained entirely by myself. And the idea of, you know, being self-motivated enough um, and pushing myself hard enough, you know, for up to 30 hours of training a week, week in, week out, um, you just, you have to have a very deep intrinsic drive. And, you know, this goal for me was strong enough intrinsic drive that I didn't, I was surprised how easy the training went. Mm. Um and it is it, such a stark contrast with what I've done in the past where it really does become you know the the ITU training if you're in a squad um so I I had to completely reframe my expectations for what successful training could be and realized I was much stronger and tougher than I had thought um just because I had to relearn an entire system of training and it, it took me a couple of years. Um, mm. But you know this year i i I've learned autonomy. i've I've learned self-efficacy, and it definitely came out in in my iron Man performances. But mm. that's not something that I learned before. and and part of that is having, I have an exceptional coach right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen him twice. I saw him at Frankfurt (laughs) and I saw him at Kona. Mm. He has never seen me train a day in my life. Um, (laughs) But we, you know, I trust him. He, uh, so it's, uh, when I knew I wanted to go up to Ironman, finding the right partner uh, really was important to me. Mm. And uh, so my my coach is Dan Morang, who, uh, his, his backgrounds, was, he was the German national team coach. He's been coaching, um, Jan Frodeno for a few years, Ani Haug. Uh, I know he consults with Dave McNamee, but he only has a few athletes he works with for triathlon. He's, he's now primarily a cycling coach. Hmm. Um, but it was kind of a, a leap of faith for both of us to, because we didn't know each other that well beyond just, you know, social interaction. And, you know, coaching somebody remotely that you never see, you know, it, it, it takes, like I said, it takes a leap of faith on both ends. And we both were very motivated um, and it, it took, you know, this is the thing that I, whether you are a brand new to the sport, beginner age grouper, you know, a veteran of the sport and you make a change with a coach, you have to invest in them and give them time um, and I was willing to give Dan time because, you know, it wasn't until so we started working together last December. It wasn't until June that I finally things started to fall into place. Mm. Where for months we just felt like we were hitting our head against a wall. Like I wasn't getting fitter. You know, I just we felt like it was so far away from being prepared to even finish an Ironman well, let alone, um, you know, produce the results I did. But finally, you know, a few weeks before in Frankfurt, things just started to kind of click. And we both breathed this tremendous sigh of relief, because you just don't, you don't know, but we had faith in each other that I knew he was working hard to give me a program that was good for me. But it's still, you still have to learn the athlete. And as a, an athlete, you have to understands especially remotely you you see the program and you have to kind of translate it and try to figure out what energy systems you're trying to train you know what is the coach trying to get out of that get out of that session for you and and it it took it took a few months for us to figure each other out and our approaches out but we finally have kind of we've we've hit a nice a nice point in our in our relationship
1: so it sounds like um, you're actually enjoying the journey now, as opposed to it being sort of a, a daily grind, nine to five, get the job done.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that I never in a million years would have expected. You know, I've I've been a pro for well over a decade, um, and things were felt incredibly stale for a while. Um, but it's fresh, you know. It's it just it's one of the things that's super cool about about triathlon is that it is fresh. Um, you know, you you can change distances, you can change the focus, but if you have the right partnership, if you have goals that aren't um, you know, I think with, with the short course racing, it becomes very outcome driven goals. But for this past year, it was so much more process driven goals. And that was a lot easier for me to stay motivated and enjoy the the process. Um, so, you know, along the way, uh, of course, you know, I'm, I'm a racer, I'm competitive. I want to do well. Um, but also I love this sport and this is just such an incredible way to enjoy the sport from a different angle. Um, yeah. So I think if any, if anybody who's listening is like, oh my gosh, the sport is definitely stale for me right now. And, you know, change up what you're doing. (laughs) <laughs>
1: exactly go go join super league
2: right <laughs> well okay maybe maybe not super league but do some mascara. yeah you know focus on a single sport for a while ironman is always there you can always come back it just it does require such a time and an emotional investment that unless you were at the place where that investment is exciting to you um it probably is best to just kind of shelve it until you're ready.
1: Mm. One thing you just mentioned there—you know, you're a competitive person, and uh, and you and you go out there to do as well as you can. How, how I'm really intrigued to know your sort of mindset if you're on the start line against, say, you know, you've had some really dominant um, athletes in your career. So you know, you're on the start line at the moment with Daniela Reif, who's you know just correct just breaking records all over the place, but you've also been on the ITU side of things on the start line with Gwen Jorgensen, who, you know, when you're lining up against um, these fellow athletes, it it, it must be hard when you, I don't know if you think this way or not, but you're going, if I race to my absolute best today and Gwen races to her absolute best, it's probably going to be pretty hard to beat her. How do you sort of, what's your mindset when you're on the start line against one of those really, really dominant athletes that wins wins? the majority of the events.
2: Yeah, I think, I think you, you, uh, there's, there's a balance between just this, uh, desire to get the most out of yourself, but also that kind of lack of fulfillment where you 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 see the bar, they are the bar. And it's a question of how close you can get to it. Um, so, you know, obviously Danielle's been racing Ironman for years. She hasn't, she, she is, you know, the best, probably the sport. Well, she is the best the sport has seen. Um. So, you know, next year, obviously I want to be closer to her. You know, I think ITU is different because it's, it's far more tactical. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look at when I was exiting the sport, um, I looked at an athlete like Flora Duffy and I saw her and that was the way I wanted to race. And I, I, you know, I didn't have the bike skills. Like I I probably have a very similar engine, but I didn't have the bike skills. And more importantly, I didn't have the confidence in my bike to ride the way she did. But she illustrated that as good as Gwen was, she was beatable. And that was something that I knew my entire career. And one of my greatest frustrations was that, I didn't work on things that I needed to work on to be able to win. Um, and you know, hindsight's 2020 20, obviously. So I think it's, it is harder over Ironman because it's less tactical. Um, it definitely is, it, it, you know, there it's harder. It's harder to do something like floor has done in ITU. to mm. um, you. know, it's it, it it's a false equivalency, and even though it's the same sport, um, yeah. But I, I think, uh, for me, knowing that somebody like Danielle's out there also makes me realize what's possible. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, she was a good ITU athlete, but she wasn't anything exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's to say that the Ironman athlete I'm going to be next year? Like I'm going to build on what I did this past year, and maybe it's going to get me a little bit closer to her.
1: You've, you've got to tell maybe us can... what you've, you've got to tell us what you're cooking for dinner.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no,
1: you've got to tell us now. We can hear it bubbling away there.
2: <laughs> I know. I bought, well, the the oven started smoking, so it's time for me to <laughs> to get stuff out of the oven. Um, let's see. I had some roasted uh, squash and onions, and some sausages, and some brown rice, and. Nice. Uh, it is very smoky in here. I'm glad we don't have the camera on, because um, <laughs> nice. there's just a nothing was burning, thankfully. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks to the listeners for uh, you know putting up with me cooking. Well, it's it's more making sure the house doesn't burn down.
1: <laughs> so. Um, uh, we, uh, a number of people have said you know, to ask you questions around um, athlete well-being, and, um, yeah. and, and you've sort of put some posts, I think, on, on social media in the past, and athlete well-being, or perhaps the lack of it, and especially, not especially, but at an ITU level, you know, it's it's pretty cutthroat. Um, I know that, you know, there's eating disorders both on the male and the female side of things, there's mental health issues, you know, what are some of the experiences that you've had, in your you've seen maybe particularly in the female world that perhaps you don't think get given enough attention um, and any ideas on what should be getting done?
2: Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, both the male and female side, paying, it's a, the sport attracts people who are kind of perfectionists. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a little tickle in my throat from the black cloud of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> right now, I need some- water here oh all right let's resume um uh so you get you get a punch of very driven perfectionist and this is you know this is the amateur side of sport too this is not just professionals it's not just the olympics um you know that level and we tend to be very hard on ourselves and we hold ourselves to unrealistic standards and sometimes yeah that does manifest itself in, um, mental health struggles. Uh, I think what I have found to be very helpful is to create an identity outside of sport. Um, I know that a lot of people, I mean, it's, it's interesting even looking at, you know, people for whom this is not their job. This is, this is what they love to do on the weekends. And, um, you'll see their social media feeds and it's completely triathlon. And, you know, they're, they're poolside taking photos of themselves. Like, they're obviously very proud of what they do. But you realize that their persona is totally wrapped up in, you know, for me, it's my job. For them, it's their hobby. Um, to the extent where you realize that if something goes wrong, you know, it's it's more than they're missing a few months of racing that things didn't go the well, way they wanted. It goes to a deeper issue of who am I? And all of a sudden you're not enough. If you, if how you measure yourself is exclusively through the sport, you're never going to measure unless even if you're winning everything. Um, cause that ends, you know, like you can be a 10 time world champion, but the day you retire from the sport, you have to figure out who you are, and unless you've been actively working on the other side side of yourself that extends beyond Trathon extends beyond you know your profession, and having kind of a safety net and you know just knowing that you can walk away from Trathon for six months, and you can find fulfillment in other things. Um, I think that's I think that's the biggest thing.
1: Mm. Like so, you, so what
2: are some yeah. of the things that
1: you try to do um, outside of triathlon?
2: So uh, this year, actually, my husband and I, along with another couple, we started a, a coffee roasting company. And <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you are in business, if you've ever started a business, then you know that the product is only part of it. And obviously, my husband is very into the roasting side. Mm-hmm. But that's only ten percent of a company, right? Um, the other ninety percent is—it's marketing, it's you know, doing accounting, it's mm. a, a myriad of other things. So we we don't have that background. You know, we both have university we, uh, degrees, but we do, we know nothing about small business. But we've we have acquired so many skills throughout this process that it it. It's been one of the best things I've done because I realized that, you know, if I stop track on tomorrow, it's okay because I have skills, I know I can acquire new skills, and more importantly, I have interest in other things. Mm. Um, Yeah, so, you know, a lot of of athletes will have other hobbies. uh, But if you love to read, it's hard to make a career out of, you know, reading books or playing video games or streaming netflix you know
3: mm.
2: but but if you are curious and uh are actively developing skills that can be applied to the world outside the sport and that's it's really empowering it's it's been one of the it's been a little stressful at times um mm. you know trying to balance both mm. but it's been it's been really eye-opening to me the There's 100% a crossover between entrepreneurship and being an athlete
1: nice and we've got a few questions from some of our listeners um kylie cox was saying when you um she said i would like to know as a pro athlete who has does experience some challenges with mental health when with her training does she know um when to push on or when to listen to her body and mind and rest even if the program doesn't say so what are your signs and strategies so yeah when you're having those rough days um when do when do you know to pull the pin and or or do you pull the pen?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, so I, depression is something that I have managed, um, you know, since probably I was 13. So you, you start to learn these patterns in yourself. And for me, when I feel like my general anxiety is going up, uh, a huge trigger for me or not trigger, but a huge indicator for me is, um, uh, my sleep patterns change. So I'll go from, you no, know, normally I sleep eight, nine hours a night to having difficulties falling asleep. It's disrupted. It's maybe four hours, um, you know, night after night. Uh, you know, it's it's easier almost to step back and see those sorts of patterns than it is to be cognizant of what's actually going on, you know, with your brain's biochemistry mm. Um and and everybody's different in how it manifests itself. Like for some people, it, you know, you, you notice a difference with, with appetite. Um, you know, it's it really you figure it out over time. And for some people, you know, this is this is one of the the challenges talking about this is, you know, most people at some point in their life will go through a period of depression, of clinical depression. Um, you know, severe to moderate. Like everybody goes probably through mild periods of mild depression, but we're talking clinical depression. Mm. they may have no history of mental mental health struggles um and I think that it's for those people who have never dealt with it it's It becomes even more debilitating in some ways because you haven't developed kind of the coping mechanisms so for me, I have learned. Okay, I have to communicate with my coach. We back off of intensity. I still am active. Um, but, you know, the the physical stress of doing hard training is an additional stress. Basically, you have to think, like, if you're going through a period of depression or mental mental health struggles, your body's already stressed out. So you can't add another layer of stress with hard training. So you kind of, like, you still want to be active because there's good, you know, biochemical feedback going on. Um, it's good to get outside. It's good to be active, to be engaged, but you, you probably shouldn't be doing a hard track session because it's more than your body probably can handle. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is just kind of, maybe you're going to push back a race and that's okay. Um, you know, we have no problems. If, if you have a stress fracture, we have no problems backing off our training Mm. and racing, you know, it's, you have to treat your mental health. Similarly. Um, the problem is we don't, we don't give it a lot, enough respect sometimes. Mm. So I think having open dialogue with your coach, being aware of your, your own signals, um, being active, but not training because you don't need that pressure of, I have to do these sessions. I have to hit those times. Cause already already earned a lot of pressure. Um, and I think the biggest thing is just, you know, you you have to just wait it out mm. like that's one of the that's one of the hardest parts um when you're in the middle of it it feels like it's never ending and the rest of your life you're going to feel this bad and it's just it's just crushing um and you just there has to be that piece of you that knows it's going to pass um because it does It does pass, whether it's, you know, through just your body self-regulating those, uh, you know, those chemicals in your brain Um, or, you know, it's going to pass with the help with pharmaceuticals. You know, this is the if you need help, you get help. Um, You know, it's just there's no shame. It's incredibly common. It's incredibly common among athletes. Um, I mean, the number of professional athletes I've had reach out to me, nobody talks about it. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, like I thought for so much of my career that I was never going to be successful because this was something that was a part of me. And, you know, to be a professional athlete, you have to be perfect and I'm not perfect. Um, well, nobody's perfect, but it's people achieve tremendous things. Mm -hmm. Um, against the odds. And really, it's just, it's something to be managed, but it doesn't have to keep you from doing what you love. And to, to finding, you know, sometimes you don't feel joy. And those are the times to kind of back off a little bit and seek help, but your joy will come back. (laughs) <laughs> no,
1: it's great you're able to talk about it. it's fantastic and some really good uh, really good insight and really good tips yes that's wicked um, Andy Ashton said uh, will you be will you be going back to Frankfurt this year to try to go one better so I guess have have you sorted out your race schedule for, for the next year
2: uh, so I think I am actually going to go to um, to the Oceania uh, regional oh, championship. very nice.
1: A bit of yeah. action. Wicked. Cool. Yeah,
2: exactly. I always pronounce it wrong, canned. which is why I it. Well, it depends if you're canned. an
1: Aussie or a Kiwi. Well, yes, Kiwis, we pronounce exactly. it differently. The Aussies Cans, everyone else is yeah. Cans.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to throw the R in there. I know that much. Yeah, um, yeah so. I think that's that's the one that I would like to do. I guess it,
1: Frankfurt the, the, was super fun, but, the, the challenge for you yeah. is is the new qualification system um, makes it I harder know. as well. So you can't. I yeah. guess you've got to have a bit of a fluid plan to some degree because, essentially, the regional champs you'd either have to win second, probably would do it, and third, possibly might do it. So yeah, yeah, it's
2: difficult. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have I'll have a backup race. Yeah. Um, but last year, our approach was kind of the same. It was a, if I can't make it happen in one race, then, you know, maybe I don't belong to be uh, towing the line at the World Championships. Cool. I,
1: yeah. Um, Christine McKinley, will, <laughs> <And that's okay. laughs> will you ever get your hubby to sign up for a triathlon? Would be interesting to see some spousal smackdown. Has he done one or uh, is he going
2: to do one? No, no, no. So my my husband is he's he's a 1302 5k runner yeah. um like that's insanely fast yeah. like he you know probably 101 half marathon um yeah he's kind of a freak of nature <laughs> one of our first dates was on the bike because he had broken his toe so we we rode bikes together yeah and I just asked him a whole bunch of questions because he just was dropping me otherwise. <laughs> um, so, like, if I kept him talking, then he wouldn't ride away from me.
1: Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah, so, but here's the thing. He would tear it up for two out of three, but yeah. I'm not convinced he could get onto the bike. Right. Because there's the whole swim part. Yeah. And, yeah, a few a few years ago, he was swimming. Um, and to stay afloat, it would it required two pool buoys nice. one was not one was not sufficient for this man um nice. so maybe if, like if it was a race with a wetsuit i don't know he would he would still beat me yeah. i think as long as he got to, i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah he would be maybe not yeah i just would i would not want to see him swim
1: yeah <laughs> just
2: more yeah i was going to say more importantly um in a relationship, it's important to be better than your spouse in something, exactly. and I will always be a better swimmer, good. so, you know, that I, I feel like this is important for me. Nice. I don't want him to get good at it.
1: <laughs> um, Justin, you mentioned your coffee before. Justin Dugan said yeah. uh, your coffee routine. So, what's your daily coffee routine?
2: You know, you would think that somebody who owns a coffee company, like, drinks 10 coffees a day. Um, I do a pour over in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of my morning meditation. I like, uh, just the process of it. It's really, you know, it it takes a few minutes. You really have to just kind of slow down and it sets the, the tone for the day. Um, and then sometimes I will have a coffee in the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, two at most, but just, it's, it's kind of like, you know, more, more quality less quantity so yeah we'd rather have two amazing cups of coffee it's i guess like wine right you know if you're if you're really into wine you're not going to be drinking you know 10 glasses of wine in a row yeah you're going to have Maybe two glasses of exceptional wine.
1: Exactly. Final one I've got is um, ITU, ITU side of things. The World Champs, obviously, this year we saw some, or World Finale, we saw some great racing with Vincent Louis winning and uh, Ashley Gentle winning the females. Do you prefer having like a one day World Championship um, winner or the world that, you know, currently you get called the World Champion if you win the series? So, what's your preference if, if you were to decide?
2: Okay, uh, so when, there's a difference. When I was racing, I was the beneficiary of the fact it was a series, mm-hmm. so I had you know three world medals because I was on the podium for the series. So I really liked that when I was a racer, but I never was on the podium for a finale. Mm. So you know, as a spectator, and I. Now that I'm out of the sport, I can be totally honest. Yes, 100% one-day world championship. Mm. Um, I think especially with the amount of travel these athletes do, I, it's more who's the most consistent than necessarily who is the best on the, the day. Mm. And I think that's a real shame because you see somebody like, uh, like Flora this year. She, she raced in Hamburg when she was injured because she wanted to keep the possibility of winning the series alive and that took her out of the rest of the year. Mm. So if it had been a one-day world championship, she would have done the smart thing, stayed at home, not worried about the series, shown up to the grand final, which would be the world championship, and she would have thrown down. Mm. So I do think it comes and you do see athletes um, by the time they get to the games, uh, a lot of the a lot of us are just exhausted. We're exhausted from year after year chasing these races around the world, you know, trying to go for the overall series when really if we had peaked for a couple of races uh, over the course of the year and then really hit it hard for world chance, we would have been in a much better position to show up to the games, uh, you know, a bit more balanced.
1: Fantastic! I don't want to keep you from your dinner any longer. So, um, oh. if, <laughs> if if athletes want to, it's
2: okay. There, there's nothing burning. There's nothing
1: burning. <laughs> if um, if athletes want to follow what you you do, obviously you're on uh, you're on Twitter. Maybe just give a bit of a plug for for any of your channels or or anything else you want to get out there that you might be doing in the next little period. And also, uh, if people want to get hold of your coffee, what's your your, your company name? Uh, so the
2: the company is Linden and True um let's see i am not okay i'll be honest since my mom joined facebook like eight years ago <laughs> i've not been active on facebook so <laughs> you can't really find me there uh sorry mom uh <laughs> and, but i am on twitter i am on instagram um i'm sarah be true on instagram i i kept my maiden name for twitter yeah. um that's s Graffy, and then i don't know i'm just around
1: yeah
0: i'm just around so. yeah
2: you can get yeah, people are smart. They know how to get hold of Excellent. hold of you this, these days. So, yeah, I don't I don't have necessarily anything coming up. But uh, thanks if you if you listen to this point in the interview, I would like to thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Nice. You you
2: you put up with my my tangential thinking. You put up with something burning in the kitchen. Uh, yeah. So done. I appreciate it. I appreciate
1: it. Now you've got lots of fans out there, and judging by your eighteen thousand or nearly nineteen thousand followers on Twitter. So uh fantastic. And it was great to see an awesome season and we look forward to you taking a couple of steps up that podium in the coming year. So thanks for your time. Oh, thank and you. um have a good uh good last couple of weeks of winter before you head
2: off. Oh, much appreciated
1: sponsor Extreme Endurance. Oh, tell me about something John. You guys that are over in the northern hemisphere while we're suffering through our summer or lack of, you guys are enjoying your winter. You know, it's such nice temperatures outside. I'm sure the sun's shining. What often happens as you guys Sun know is, <laughs> is you get a bit more sick over winter. One way you can prevent that is using Extreme Endurance immune boost. Um, they've got their in vegeta- now in vegetarian capsules and they've also got got a ziplock bag it's a daily multivitamin optimally formulated to help nourish cells tissue and body organs against damaging free radical attacks immune boost is a comprehensive formula of vitamins minerals antioxidants and phytonutrients specifically chosen to help assist in the immune system and provide steady nutrient support Uh, i love this product i use it quite a lot myself um, and really feel like it makes a big difference in terms of fending off sickness Uh, so whenever i um, feel something coming on Start pumping it, and just seems to do the trick. Well, and
0: and, and and when we think about it, there's times a year that's really important. Mm. Like you know, one of the the classic Ironman New Zealand problems, if, if you're an Ironman athlete who's good enough to get to Kona, is you've got to, to train through winter. Mm. And if you're training through winter in New Zealand, you're going to get cold weather. You got to be shitty days. And nowadays, riding inside inside helps. Mm-hmm. And, but you still got to get out for your runs, and you still have to do some riding outside. So you 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 it's counterproductive for what you're trying to achieve. And if you get sick. And you lose a couple of weeks training, especially in your peak moment.
1: Exactly. It's a massive problem.
0: So you, anything that you can do now, obviously, good sleep, good nutrition, mm-hmm. good kind of body care work's really important, but something like... A staying burst. away from your
1: kids, staying away from your office workers, yep, just but you know... Isolating it, your life. It's it's like the, you know, like the Team Sky, it's all those um, incre- tiny incremental things. One thing's not going s- to solve, th- solve your problems, but if you try to do as many things as you can to eliminate getting sick, then you reducing your chances and this is another um string you can add to your bow to staying healthy
0: there we go so extreme
1: endurance xendurance.com
0: is the place to go to get not just your members but all the products that they do which we get great feedback on here
1: comes chrissy wellington okay so on the show today we're very happy to have the 2007 yep. ironman world champion chrissy wellington Woo! woo. yeah <laughs> too. um so you're stoked to have her on the show like a lot of the listeners um We don't know a huge amount about Chrissy, so we're obviously going to find out a bit today. She's a surprise uh, package, isn't she? Exactly. We'll talk a bit about, obviously, the Kona race and preparations for that and, obviously, what now is in store. So um, thanks for coming on the show, Chrissy. Whereabouts in the world are you at the moment?
3: Hi, and thanks for having me on. Um, I'm actually in the UK at the moment. I've been here for about 10 days. And tomorrow I'm flying, flying to the U.S. off to Clearwater.
1: Oh, wow! are oh, you doing the Clearwater Double A? Eh?
3: Oh. I'm not going to be doing it. I was going to, um, but I haven't really trained that much uh, since Hawaii. I've been too busy rushing around like a mad thing, so I'm only half fit. But I'm going to go over there and support everyone else that, that is doing it and have some fun on the other side of the fence for a change. Oh, cool. Nice. nice.
1: So, like I said in the intro, we, we don't know a huge amount about you, and we understand you've probably been doing lots of interviews over the last few weeks since Kona, but, you know, what's your sort of background before, prior to Kona, and sort of prior to getting into triathlon? Did you have much of an endurance sport background, or, or what was your sort of, where what, what area have you come from? Tell us your life story.
3: <laughs> it's um, It's really not that... That normal a uh, uh, path that i've taken to get to where I am now, I guess i've got a bit of a hodgepodge of uh, of uh, the kind of hotchpot sporting background I was a swimmer at a very young age but was never incredibly good and I went to university and kind of gave up the swimming for the more social side. Then I went traveling for two years i was in Africa and, and actually came to New Zealand for three months. And I did a lot of, you know, outdoor activities but no no training as it were. Then I came back and I did my MA yeah. in the UK, so that was in, in early in two thousand. Yeah. And I started running. I'd gained a bit of weight while I was travelling and started running and found that I really enjoyed it. Decided to enter the London Marathon. I did the London Marathon in two thousand and two and that went really well for someone that you know had only really just taken up running the year before what did you then run? I started 308 yes. and then I just started running more seriously I trained with a club and then I started swimming again and by 2004 I just you know decided to do a few triathlons so I did a couple in the UK which which went okay nothing spectacular but I was wearing a kind of a surf wetsuit and <laughs> toe clip pedals. So um, I'm not surprised that, you know, I wasn't wasn't leading the packs. But they went okay and then I took a sabbatical from my job. I was working for the government on international development policy and took a sabbatical, went to live and work in Nepal in Kathmandu for over a year wow. and then it was then really that I developed a love for biking and I biked every single day, m- mountain biked every single day and in, in the hills around Kathmandu and we did some fun stuff, we toured over the Himalayas from Lhasa to Kathmandu um, which was obviously at, at altitude and I think that gave me a lot of mental and physical strength. Then I got back last year, qualified for the world championships, the world age groups and trained really, really hard for two thousand and five for those uh, sorry, two thousand and six for those and then I managed to win that which was a total surprise. Was this and then was I there? then I had the decision about whether to go pro. Oh wow. And I and I left my job in February this year. Nice. So was that's a, a brief s- synopsis or not so brief. <laughs> was was
0: it a hard decision at the time or?
3: To go pro? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was It's always a big risk. I mean, the question is, can I make a living out of this sport and I went to see um my now coach brett sutton in in January. A friend put me in touch with him. He agreed to take a look at me and to basically give me his opinion about whether he thought I had what it took and and he said yes, so I think it was based on his judgment that I decided it was a risk worth taking. But yeah, of course, of course it is. But it it was a now or never. I, I was 30 and I knew that if I didn't make a go of it now, then, then I'd be getting too too long in the tooth. So I, yeah, decided to go for it. I never want to look back and think, oh, what if I've done that? So even if I did it and, and I hadn't have succeeded, then and it would have been worth it, because at the least then I would have had my answer.
1: Yep. We know what it's like. We have Bevan's 30 this year and I'm
3: oh, 31. We know over the hill. Over oh, tell. yeah, over the hill Game almost.
0: Over. Okay. Okay. Game over. <laughs> yeah, we just, one of the listeners sent us through an email saying how uh, you may have done the coast to coast. Is that true?
3: <laughs> yeah, I've got some Kiwi friends to blame for that. Um, actually, my, my friend got married in Abel Tasman in oh, nice. early Early last year, so i when I was coming back from Nepal, I flew via New Zealand, as you do, and went to the wedding and this was in uh, in December two thousand and five, and they said, "Oh, the coast to coast is happening in February, you know you like biking and and running." You should, you should enter. I said, I can't kayak for toffee. And they said, oh, come down to Wanaka. We'll teach you to kayak. <laughs> and, uh, and and you can enter. I said, oh, no. So I, I did a bit of cycle touring and ended up in, in Wanaka. And, yeah, they taught me to kayak. And <laughs> I did the coast to coast last year. It was so much fun. I absolutely loved every single minute of it. It was great. Did you do the really t- great t- t- day
1: or the longest day?
3: Two day,
1: yeah, the two
3: day. Oh, nice, nice. So no, it was it was great, and I'd love to do it again.
1: Cool. Oh, that's,
3: that's uh, one that's, year.
1: Sounds like a pretty. Inter- we could we could we, we always get the question. What's harder, the Ironman or the Coast to Coast? And obviously, you need to do the longest day to to understand that one. But we'd love you. We'd love you to come back and and see how you go, and then you can answer that question for yeah. us maybe in a couple of years' time.
3: So obviously, <laughs> I hope so. I'd hope to come back. Yeah. L-
1: looking at looking at Kona, I mean. Um, we know you had a fantastic race, sort of leading into that, with um, with a great race in, in Korea. When you when you you're rocked up at Kona, I mean, what was your sort of plan? Were you just sort of thinking, oh, "I'm going to go at this and just give it a go and, and see what happens," or, or or did you think you were, you know, you were you were, were racing for the win? What was sort of going through your mind and, and your race plan
3: and stuff? Um, you know what, uh, Kona was never kind of the. The end goal of of the season, really. So I hadn't been building up to it. It was only when about five weeks before Korea, when the boss said, "Do you want to do an Ironman?" and I said, "Yeah." Do you think I'm ready? And he said, "Yep." And I said, "Okay, I'll do it." That I went to went to Korea. So I only qualified six weeks before Kona. So I didn't think I had enough time to really build myself up mentally and emotionally for it I think I just saw it as another race because I'm so new to the sport I don't think I really appreciated just how big an event it is Mm, and so I don't so maybe that (laughs) my naivety helped me in a way so I went there with I I don't want to say no expectations because I always put a lot of pressure on myself to do the best that i can um but i don't think i had too many expectations in terms of placing i because i i I think because i knew so little about the race so i i just wanted to go out there and race as hard as i could and i was hoping for a top 10 i mean that's that's what i was hoping for if i you know if i'd have come in the top 10 i would have been over the moon
1: It's a little better than that then, wasn't it? It's was
3: just a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, than that, I probably surpassed all of my wildest dreams by by winning it we But no I think actually having done Korea stood me in good stead for, for Kona just in terms of helping me to develop some kind of strategy especially in, in the heat yeah. and to have the confidence to know that I could win an Ironman as well but especially, you know Coping with the heat—that was quite—that was really important, and I think my strategy at Kona went exactly as, you know, exactly according to plan that fun
0: hey, so do, do you want to talk us through your race day? You know, the ups and downs, kind of your experience that you had.
3: Um, I stuffed my face with tuna pasta the night before, (laughs) which I always do before any race. Um, And then was up all night. There was a domestic next door, which is rather (laughs) unfortunate. And there was bloody police fire, excuse my language, (laughs) going off um, all night. So that it it wasn't the best night's sleep I've ever had. But yeah, I wasn't. um, So I got up around four and then headed down, I think, around quarter to five. And I wasn't really that nervous, actually, um, certainly no more nervous than i than I am before any other yep. other race. Um, the swim went pretty average for me, probably about three minutes down on what I wanted. i guess i I got caught in a pack, and once you're in a pack, it's very difficult to 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 break that it felt. It felt comfortable. I didn't really feel like I was ever overexerting myself. It was I enjoyed the swim, but uh, yeah, I don't think I, yeah. I pushed myself maybe as hard as I I could or should have done. But then maybe it, it gave me something left for the bike and the run. And it took me about thirty k to get going on the bike. I just didn't feel like I had too much of a rhythm. But I, once I we were out on the Queen K, and I think I could really find you know, find my rhythm, I, I felt stronger, and then as, as the race went on, yeah, I did feel a lot stronger. There was a headwind coming down, um, and we climbed the hill up to Harvey, and there was a headwind there, and I, I felt stronger going up that. So although we were going slow, I think I was going faster relative to the to the other girls, so I made a lot of ground up on that on that climb. And then I saw them at the turnaround, they were coming the other way and I realized, oh boy, I, you know, I'm in with a shot of actually catching this, you know, the leading group of, the leading group of girls. And, and I did that just before we came back onto the, onto the Queen K. Um, I had the decision whether or not to stick with them or go past them. And before the race, the boss had said to me, you know, don't defer to anyone. And so I just had kind of had his words ringing in my ears actually, and I just thought, well, I'm I'm going to go past because I feel that I I can go faster, and uh, and I felt comfortable, so yeah, I went past and it, and then I um,
0: during that time did I, you um you know like you've got obviously some you know the best in the world there and really experienced athletes did you although you felt great did it create some doubt in your mind that maybe you are being a bit silly being too keen.
3: Um, yeah, the, 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 I did think to myself, Chrissy, what on earth are you doing? They're going at that speed for a reason. You're going to blow. And then, I mean, part of me wanted to just know what it felt like to be in the, in the lead for at least a short period of time. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll, I'll try and try and get into the lead. And then, you know, if I can't hang on, I can't hang on. But at least I've. Experience. At least I've been in the lead for about five minutes. So I, you know, once I'd I'd got into the lead, I I still felt comfortable, and I just I just went at, at my own pace really, and was hoping that I did have my run legs in there. Um, in the you know, once it got into transition, and and luckily when I went out into the run, I, I felt strong, and I and I knew then that I you know I stood a chance of of winning. But you just really never know until the 30k mark on the run, yeah. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> how the race is going to end. Because that's a critical point and the point when, you know, a lot of people blow. And I knew after 30k that I still felt felt strong and could finish strongly. So I think then I felt a lot more comfortable mentally that that maybe, you know, I had it in the bag.
1: And, so, so do you, oh, okay. Yeah, and so, at that stage, sort of, I guess, going through thirty-five k, something like that. I mean, what was sort of going through your mind in terms of? Uh, were you thinking about the finish at that stage, or did you just? Uh, were you still thinking about you know your technique, your rhythm, or were you just sort of? Was it all starting to go in a bit of a blur? No,
3: the rhythm came. The rhythm came pretty naturally. It wasn't hurting too much, so I, I did feel. Quite comfortable. I wanted to enjoy every minute of it, as you might have seen, in the, you know, on the footage. Yeah. I I was just so happy yeah. at that, especially at that point, and and really did want to enjoy it. And I, if my legs were hurting, I think the kind of euphoria of being in the lead maybe took some of the pain away anyway. And I just wanted to show my appreciation to the crowd and to to have to have some fun, but I didn't obviously want to lose lose too much time doing that. So no, I did. I mean, I did try and keep the keep the same pace, but I didn't want to focus solely on getting any particular time, you know, and and not enjoy that That's enjoy nice. that moment.
1: Yeah, tell me. So we've had um, heard some reports saying that you you misjudged where the finish was. Is that true? <laughs>
3: Um well, because I mean, i've never been there before i wasn't a hundred percent sure of of the route, yeah, and probably should have looked at the kind of course map I just assumed that i'd be following people <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't didn't really expect to have to to know exactly where where I was going, but i um <laughs> came down polani and and my friend was there, and he handed me the the Union jack, so I grabbed it because I thought that we went down Polani and the finish was you know by the by the hotel on the water, yeah. and no, yeah, we turned left and and had <laughs> another to go k down the road, isn't it? <laughs> another k, so it must have looked a bit bizarre for me to be clutching that flag and smiling like a mad woman so early on. But it was really that I um that I thought we were closer to the finish than, than we actually actually were. But then again, you know, I enjoyed it and I had the Union Jack and there might not have been another one on offer yeah, totally. further down the road. There weren't too many Brits there so uh, mm-hmm. so at least I had my little flag to wave. <laughs>
1: And, and so what was, what sort of happened? I mean, obviously, when you hear Chris McCormick sort of t- talking about when he won and you also hear Faris Al sultan saying when he won, they said they didn't even remember running down the finishing chute and, and sort of that last K, was was that the same for you or were you just you know, handing out high fives? All the way? I, I was, To be honest, I was actually lying on the beach in Rarotonga when all this happened, so I didn't Weak. see it myself. Um, but what, what was sort of happening in that last K and when you crossed the line?
3: Oh, it was it was amazing. The 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 crowds were were really big and the atmosphere was really electric. It is a little bit of a blur, but no, I was I was high fiving people all the time and, and smiling and saying a few words to, to the cameraman as I went down. Someone put a lay around my neck as well as I was as I was coming in. But and, yeah, in the finish shoot itself, I was just playing the full, um, which comes quite natural to me. So I was just enjoying it. And, um, yeah, no, I do I do remember it, and I'm quite thankful for that because it's a really, really special, um, special time.
0: To, you know, like, you're quite new to the sport, and as you're saying, you're kind of going into the race. You, you, not that you didn't respect it that much, but you kind of, you know, maybe you didn't understand the massiveness of it. You, now that you've achieved what? Is a dream for pretty much every Iron Man out there. You know, the biggest thing you can achieve in sport. Do you kind of realise how big it is?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm realising now, um, especially in in the last couple of weeks. It's yeah. it's beginning. It's beginning to sunk to sink in. But to me, it it is just another race i mean it's obviously the biggest race because there's so many so many people there um with you know such a depth of experience and knowledge but it is it is just another race and the most important thing for me now is a to get my head down and and train again and and do what I can do next year, but also to do something with the position that I found myself in. Because I, yes, I am a, a sports person. I wouldn't necessarily say I was even a triathlete because I don't know that much about <laughs> about the sport, really, to tell you the truth. Um, but I'm a sports person, but I have other other interests and passions, and now I want to try and combine. My inter- other interests and passions with the, with with sport, so, so with and and only then will I <laughs> will I be really happy and feel like I've achieved so that, what I want you, to. Do you
0: see yourself being an Woman for the next fifteen or ten years of your life? Is that something you really desire to be, or is no,
3: no, I don't. Um, I I want to do this as long as I'm as long as I'm competitive. Yep. Um, but my passion has always been international development and poverty eradication, and that's what I've worked on. And now I have the opportunity to combine my two passions, which are sport and and development. So obviously I want to continue to train and throw my heart and soul into training and racing at least for the next three or four years. But I also want to combine it with doing some some development work. And really use my position to promote sport um, as a powerful tool for development, and that 's what's important to me
1: and is, is that sort of part of the what's sort of happening with with team BB
3: yeah that's what attracted me first to the team and and still does um, it's about raising the profile of triathlon in Asia and supporting um, underprivileged people to achieve their goals we're working very closely with the the filipino national team now they're over with us training and just seeing that and seeing them develop is is really quite amazing and it's giving them the chance to to reach their goals and fulfill their potential but we're also doing doing things at a local level with um the the children in the in the town nearby where we train um you know training the 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 swim coaches helping the run coaches and 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 buying them some um Materials for the for the pool and things like that, some equipment for the pool and things like that. But yeah, that's really what I'm, attracted me to the team and 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 still does. Some good
1: races out in the Philippines. I've raced over there. And then, so, so
3: yeah, I mean, uh, I went over to the Philippines this year. Did Subic Bay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, ITU points race, and that's really. I, I went out there a week early deliberately just so I could meet some people and and see a bit of the philippines and you know i guess the relationships that i established then meant that we we could establish this kind of um training squad with them and and now they've they've come over to train with us so no that's that's really great and i, yeah, I had a lot of fun in the philippines it's great great place
1: and so just a bit on in terms of the training, we, we've, um, we've talked to Bella and we've talked to a couple of other people that sort of involved with um, with Brett Sutton. I mean, what's a sort of typical week for, for Chrissy when, say, you're building up for either um, either Korea or Kona? I mean, what sort of hours are you putting in, number of sessions and things like that? Or, or, or is that classified information you're not allowed to release? <laughs>
3: Um it's not classified information, but the more we say um or the more we don't say, the more rumors abound about exactly what we're what we're doing so we're damned if we tell people we're damned if we don't um, i don't i mean I never clock the hours yeah. to be honest, and we're not encouraged to to clock hours um, the the weeks the weeks vary, and that's what i I like about training with the squad and training with Brett is that there's no there's no typical week and no two people are the same. So what I might do in, in the weeks preceding an Ironman is totally different to what Bella will do. Mm-hmm. Even though we're both Iron women, mm-hmm. um, we're doing different things. And that's because each individual needs a different training program. And, and it really is true. And, and that's exactly how Brett approaches it. So when people make these generalizations about, you know, overtraining people or Brett doing this and Brett doing that, it it really does make me laugh because we're all so different and and we all have our own individual programs. Um, We we train, you know, six or seven days a week, Mm -hmm. um, two or three sessions a day. Um, but I guess the most important thing is the way in which the sessions aerobic anaerobic sessions are put are put together um and that's i don't know that's his um i guess i don't know special his magic talent formula. is to put those together in such a way that that we have um we optimize our rest and optimize our performance in each of those sessions.
0: So are you a bit of a geek when it comes to numbers? You know, do you have your power meter and your heart rate monitor and, you know, how religious are you if you are using those tools?
3: No, I think... I mean, Brett's not a fan of of science, as he calls it, and I think I've (laughs) adopted his... You know, his kind of outlook on that, largely because I'm I'm not too good with ne- technology either. I can't even operate a digi- digital camera very well. So, I mean, <laughs> that kind of worked for me. I've, I've never owned a heart rate monitor, so I, I, I've i never worn one. Yeah. And he doesn't c- encourage me to. Yeah. And I wouldn't even know where to put a power meter. <laughs> so I've never had one of those either. You know, it's really... To me, it's not important. It works for some people, yeah. for sure. I don't need those numbers to know when I'm working hard and when I'm, I'm not working hard. Yep. So, I guess I just go on 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 perceived effort, and Brett doesn't encourage me to to use that.
1: And so, when you went to your first um, Ironman race, career uh, career was your first Ironman, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was it? Purely, you were just going out there, perceived effort, and, uh, and and that was it. Or did you set yourself any speeds or anything like that you were trying to hold? How how did you sort of uh, pace your way through yeah.
3: the day? Um, I, I had done I done the as long course, which although isn't um the same length as an Ironman, in many ways the intensity is still there because the altitude. And and the amount of climbing is is pretty equivalent yeah. <laughs> to an IMA. Yeah. Um, so I'd had that kind of experience beforehand. I we train to to race pace. Yeah. You know, we'll do some sessions that are, are below race pace, some people some sessions that are above, but we will train to know what our our race pace is. Mm. So I'm I think I just have this feeling about what is the right pace? what is the pace that I can comfortably sustain and I know that through through my through my training, and we train so that that our race pace is you know gets gets faster but and on, on the on the run i I know more about um, about what my you know what my pacing mm. should be and what I can comfortably hold, but in career, I think a lot of that actually went out the window. We were all slower than than we would have expected just because just because so, of the heat and, yeah. the, and the humidity so my run was a lot slower than i would a race pace i guess would ordinarily be but but that is purely because of because of the conditions and you have to adapt yeah. to that yeah hey um
0: you're um you've you've obviously become like an overnight celebrity <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, and in our world you, know, world you know like you're in our know, like geeky little triathlon world
3: has it been hard to adapt to? Yeah, it has. And what, what? Um, um, because I'm not used to having my photo taken and being being stopped on the street. <laughs> um, but the strange thing is is what you read about yourself. Um, yeah. in you know on these various forum and 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 in articles and I'm trying, I'm actually trying not to. Some people are telling me what, what's, what's being said. And then it makes me laugh because there's too many untruths out there. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's kind of strange, but yeah, no, I think just because I still feel like the same person that everyone is treating me as though I'm some kind of, of legend or hero when I really feel that I'm, just the same as I always, always was, maybe a little bit faster. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I haven't changed a bit and I'm still going to do what I love and I've only achieved a small proportion of what I actually want to achieve um, yeah. in terms of my goals in life. So. Does it take a bit of the joy out of it? What's
0: that? Does it take a bit of the joy out of it, you know, like all the kind of crap that comes with it?
3: Oh, no! You can't look at it like that you gotta you've gotta soak it up and 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 yes. enjoy it. Yep. I mean it's part and parcel and you know for these you know for a lot of people they need inspirational idols and people to 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 look up to and I'm more than happy to be that person for someone if I can inspire. One young person, or, or indeed, you know, someone of any age, to, to to do triathlon or to take up sport, then then that would be absolutely amazing. So no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna revel in it as long as it doesn't interrupt my training and and my job, which is to go out there and race my butt off and and to hopefully win some Ironman next year. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm gonna gonna enjoy it. While it, while it lasts Because I think that you can really Have a positive Influence on, on the world around you If you do great, great,
1: Richard. So I mean what you're probably going to find And and Bevan and I probably class Ourselves as about Z uh, Z grade celebrities In the triathlon <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're massive, we're big in, we're big in Asia <laughs> but What you're going to find Is you know, you're going to get people that either love you or hate you And uh and we even got a little bit of uh, bit of a rack up the other day on one of our blog things, yeah. where somebody telling him he was uh, ign- ignorant and ignoramus. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but anyway,
3: these are lies. it's a lies. Lie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but but this week one of our topics of discussion was um, you know, Obviously, I'm sure you've you've heard about some people saying, "Oh, Chrissy was celebrating too early coming into the finish line. She's got no respect for that race. What's she doing that for? I mean." Um, We know you might have thought the finish was a little bit earlier But has that been been difficult to deal with And and what's your sort of response to people saying Oh she was celebrating too early It's it's not the right thing to be done She's got to pull her head in
3: I stick my fingers up with them Good Good idea Yeah I'll do
1: it too,
0: right
3: there (laughs) No, I mean I I was leading that race And I started Celebrating When I knew that I kind of had it in the bag, but I guess if they see me smiling and maybe waving my hands then and they're offended by that, then I'm sorry, but this <laughs> I mean I was going to enjoy every single minute of it, and it shouldn't always be that serious it's it's sport, and it's important yeah it's it's a, it, I make a living out of it, but it's at the end of the day. I also want it to be fun, you know, and I want to perceive, I want people to look at me and think, she was really enjoying that. She loves her sport. She loves what she does. And that's, you know, and I want to go out there and do, uh, and do it. And, and that's, that's important, not, you know, following some kind of stupid protocol that says you have to have, uh, A sour face until you get within fifty meters of the finish line. So no, I make no apologies for enjoying every single minute of that race. And if they'd seen me on the bike, they would have seen that I was smiling then too, even when I was in (laughs) tenth place. That's the attitude we like. That's right.
0: You're a legend. Hey, um. So, so obviously winning uh, Ironman Hawaii gives you a lot of exposure. Have you noticed? You know, the doors opening when it comes to sponsors.
3: Um. Yeah, they're going to open much more than they were before because there weren't any. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I um, I got some freebies from from Blue Seventy and from Power Bar before, yep. so I'm incredibly grateful for that. And and the team is sponsored by Cervelo, um, so obviously I am very grateful to Cervelo. Um, but yeah, there have been a lot more opportunities. Uh, since a while for me to, to get sponsorship, I have a, I have a manager and I'm working closely with him to to work out what's the best deal and what's not because I don't really have a lot of, ex, you know, experience in it. But we're chatting to some to some people, but definitely the the doors are the doors have opened a lot wider than than they had before, Did you wear one which of is the, good.
1: Um, the point zero three blue seventy suits in Kona. Excuse me. Did you wear one of the .03 um, blue 70 speed suits when you were in Kona?
3: Oh, I did indeed. Pretty <laughs> Pardon? It was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, really. Yeah, I really liked it. You like the boy. Um, Although I haven't, tried, yeah.
1: I haven't tried that. I got one the other day. Well, you, haven't, you haven't shared it with me. I haven't sh- I'm not sharing my toys with you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you can have my one. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: okay, there you
0: go, Chris. I'm, I'm, good. A,
3: I'm not
1: man boobs. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> I am not. I'm buff. <laughs> um,
1: okay. And, and what's your sort of um, your plan for, obviously, you're heading over to Clearwater. Have you got any other races you're going to do this year? And, and what's your sort of plan for next year?
3: Um... I'm, yeah, I'm heading over to Clearwater, then I'm going to go back to Thailand for three weeks um, just to try and get um, back into fitness. I might do Laguna Phuket just as a little fun end of season blowout.
1: I've got a story I, I had a good race at Phuket. Is
0: that when you took out Peter Reed? That's when I took Peter Reed down. He took out Peter Reed. He
1: still
2: remembers Yes.
1: <laughs> we
0: had Peter Reed on the show, and Peter Reed. I don't think he actually really believed it, but John, made, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, took him down. Yeah, but go. anyway, that, you're doing that. That's
0: a fact. Uh, John, the interview's about Chrissy. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> have you done
3: that uh, race before? <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm trying not not to take too many people out, and then I'll have a good party. I think on the beach at at the end. So that's, that's really good. what I'm what I'm going for. Then early next year, I'm gonna come down to Australia or or New Zealand to train. Um, then I need to look at which which Ironman's to do, and, and we still haven't haven't decided. We're speaking to the race directors, and I've got to chat with with Brett in more detail about exactly when and where. Um, obviously, I'd love to do Ironman New Zealand, so we're we're chatting with them about me possibly coming coming down to to Taupo. But um, you know, everything's going to be geared towards kona next year so um
0: you know obviously okay. this year you go and you're one, an unknown you know no one even really looked at you you know realistically but yeah how do you think you're going to be able to handle you know now there's huge expectation and pressure put on you how do you think you're going to handle that
3: um yeah it's going to be very it's going to be very different i need to be um in the right frame, you know right frame of mind going in, but you have to see it all as, as an opportunity, and obviously i 'm going to have more obligations than i than I did before, yep. so i'll just try and make whatever appearances I have to make before the race short but but fun, yep. and try and keep as low a profile as, as people would let me because I, I I like to to keep myself away from all the hype. Before you know before the race, and obviously that won't be as possible next year, but I, I can still try to do that as much as I much as I possibly much as I possibly can, but no it will be very it will be very different, and there, I'm going to have have obligations um, beforehand, but we'll try and keep those to the minimum and keep it a bit more manageable.
0: Just, just lastly, have you got lots of exposure in the UK?
3: A, not a lot, the sport I mean i man is, just isn't as big here. People aren't even aware of of what it involves, yeah, so no, the exposure hasn't been actually as big as it probably is for macca in in australia or yeah. or as it has been in in America for me actually but i mean it's it's increasing and we're working on that there's some awards dinners and things. They're happening in December, and hopefully that will that will raise the profile a little bit of of, of Man And I think it's it's a slow process. It's not going to happen yep. overnight. But you know, if we have some more successes at, at Man and other 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 distances and triathlon, then people will start to stand up and, and take take notice. Mm. But no, I wish it was. Uh, it was as big as it is in New Zealand, Australia, and, and America returns. for sure. Yeah, you would be, you'd,
1: be, yeah, you'd be. You just got to get the footballers to go and strike, and then they'll need sports to cover. Get their money for a week. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wish I
1: could. Yeah. Hey, so um, thanks, thanks for spending uh, so much time with us today, and yeah, we'll yeah. certainly appreciate it. And so it just you sound like a really great advocate for the sport, and you sound like you're in it for all the right reasons. And uh, yeah, it sounds great. I just need to talk to Bella about coming down, training here in Christchurch, top spot. Yep. Yeah. And, we're yeah, crazy.
3: no, I will, I will I'm going to catch up with her in a few weeks' time So mm-hmm. I'll definitely have a chat yeah, with her about been, that there's, But I know I love service. New Zealand <laughs> I, I was in Wanaka for a while So it's got, you know, it's a very special place Yeah,
1: excellent yeah. Oh, well, we're going to let you get out the door And uh, do some training and. Yeah,
3: back yeah, back. no, I will Thank you so much for having me on
1: Yeah, oh, no, it was, it was our pleasure,
0: and Good luck for the rest of the year and, and good luck for everything And we look forward to seeing how you go in the future Hopefully we can catch up <laughs>
1: Yeah, she was a legend. She was indeed. And It must, uh,
0: must have been cool. Like, I, 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 obviously, everyone's just listening an interview.
1: Imagine turning up
0: to Kona your first year and just taking it out.
1: Crushing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And dominating fashion as well. I wish in my life I was something that was good. Like, everything I've achieved in life has come because I've just worked hard at it. Mm-hmm. I've never just kind of been... No, obviously, Chrissy Wellington worked hard. But you know how some people just kind of turn up and rock it? Mm. Oh, mm. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm.
1: You know uh, Good on her. She certainly changed the direction of long-distance racing in her part of the career. Short career, but was
0: legendary. Well, well, yeah. Sensational. Uh, It was a short career, wasn't it? Very short. Five years?
1: Uh, I had it just in front of me in a second. Yeah, so 207 was her first race. um, And she won four back-to-back. And then her last race was 2011. Well, she so it's only four years. So I'm on the yeah the obsessed triathlete page, and every single seventy point three or iron distance race she did, she won. And she only raced for four years, mm. she didn't really do many many other races. Um, she managed a few Ironmans, and I'm sure she got beaten in other distances potentially. But from what I can see, every seventy point three, every Ironman she That's did. That's massive! fascinating, isn't it? Because she'd right. never got an athletic career before it either. Really? Well, no, nothing serious.
0: That's yeah. phenomenal, isn't it? Mm. Four years in sport. Hello, see you later.
1: Mm. Different to you know, someone like um, Cam Worth, you know, he's come from a competitive yeah. background elsewhere. You go, fair enough. But she yeah. had not come from a competitive background, highly competitive. She's done a bit, but nothing yeah. full on. So good on her. Yeah, good on
0: her. OK, uh, John, so what's your plan now? What are you doing this week? Well,
1: it was a date today. It's the first, isn't it? That's yep. so I've forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still was starting over. Starting So, hungover, so, night. so night. I've only just got to Kytari. No, I haven't even got to Kateri. I get to Kateri tomorrow. You're packing right now, aren't you? So, no, we're in Nelson, recovering. What do you mean? So I'm having two nights in Nelson before we go over, and then we're going over to Kateri, and uh, I've got two weeks on the beach, and I am not going to open my laptop in two weeks, I think. Do you think it would be nice being a little bit later, because not many people would be there? No, it's the opposite. What do you mean? It's opposite. It's our January just heaving. You oh, gotta, so yeah, between pre- Christmas, it's actually a little bit better. Yeah, you go pre Christmas or you go February if you want it quieter. Uh. January's just pumping. Pumping. Give me a good time, So lying on the beach. Iron Russ. Oh, you know <laughs> you what? Know. Bevan, what are you doing today? I'm so loving this show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I'm camping John in Glen
1: Dupe. Yes. Also, we'll be heaving down there.
0: Yeah, next two days. And then it starts to clear up. Mm. Yeah, but obviously, you want to finish. Let's go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm I mean, do train hard.